Thank you for joining us for Be Our Geek, where everyone is a geek about something and where we cover your pop culture landscape through our geek lens. Of course, I am Ms. Shannon and joined, as always, as usual, by my friend and co-host Jayton Satia from the Twin Cities Film Fest. Hello, Jayton. Hola. Hello, hello. Oh, you're very international today. <laughs> I look at my mirror. Uh, look in the mirror every single day. I am international <laughs> every single day. But I well do, done. I well do, done. I do feel a little bit more international today. Ah, very nice. And we will get to uh, why you are feeling even more international in a second. We are broadcasting, of course, uh, from the Twin Cities Film Fest studios. Uh, and you can always find more information about us if you go to TwinCitiesFilmFest.org. You can also follow us online at Be Our Geek on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And Jayton, uh, speaking of the Twin Cities Film Fest, another. Yeah. Successful year that you had, indeed. Mm-hmm. It was, and uh, uh, it was just a all well around. Everything executed well. You know how I I, am, I look at from the internal side and the external side, and, and um, yes, a very very nicely done year. Congratulations to my team. Yes, you guys did a fantastic job. Yes, thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, and I appreciate it. And as your friend, I always kind of uh, consider it a successful year if you do not look beat to death if by the end of it. If somebody doesn't get maimed, we're, <laughs> we're good. Yes. If nobody got maimed. Then it was a good year. And you no can lawsuits go lawsuits and everything is good. I saw that you had the recap video that's available out there, so we'll have to make sure that we put that on the Be Our Geek page as well. Yeah, so that was really a fun. Yeah, two-minute fun little video. kind of gives you a glimpse into uh, what transpired at the festival and what to look forward for. And as usual, you did have a variety of films. We had documentary films. We had feature films, all types of independent films out there. Yeah. A couple, a couple, couple of the cool things that have been happening after the festival has been over for about two and a half, three weeks now is that people have been texting me. They've been seeing the national trailer for Green Book. And yes. They've been actually screenshotting it and actually says Twin City Film Fest Best Award winner uh-huh. on the national oh. commercial. So nice. You know how it is when dun, you're an organization and you get to a certain level and you, you, you always look towards what is that next step? I mean, you know, you always see these commercials from big giant TV, uh, excuse me, movies on the national television. And then they say the winner of Toronto, winner of whatever. We're up there now. Congratulations. So soon, it'll, soon our little Laura will be bigger than what <laughs> it is. But, you know, one step. Mm-hmm. So that's, yes, documentaries, narratives, uh, some amazing social justice cause films and uh, 120 plus films over 11 days. Now. I want to speak about a very particular film um, yes, that you did. And sure. I was very excited about this one. And now I'm excited about it for a weird reason. So one of the films that you showed this year, Saving Flora. Yes. So we Family remember. Family film, social justice cause about saving, uh, you know, you're, you're working with your uh, uh, animal friends. Now, first, let's, let's replay a little piece of the Saving Flora trailer so everybody can get uh, up to speed on it. Sure. Come on, Flora. You can't walk an elephant around the neighborhood. They don't curl up at the foot of your bed. Flora the elephant has just performed her most amazing stunt. Flora snuck out of her tent accompanied by 14-year-old Don Jacobs. Aren't you going to ask me why I'm traveling with an elephant? Isn't she spectacular? Where's the elephant? an elephant marauding through the desert, threatening persons and property. 
And you I think, really underestimated. Well, stop right it there. And part of the reason why I wanted to go that far into it, Jaden, is that we were kind enough to uh, have a number of the stars of Saving Flora that dropped by the Twin Cities Film Fest this year. That was fantastic of them. Yes, we had the director, we had uh, the producers, we had the distributors, and we had a couple of the two ma- to two major leads, the stars, stop yes. by as well. And so that did include Tom Arnold, which who was uh, kind enough to stop by and be a guest and our guest geek on Be Our Geek. So you can hear that in our previous episodes. Now, we did not have an opportunity to talk to the other lead, the other male lead in it, David Arquette. But you did talk to him when he came by and uh, when he was talking about the film. And he brought up another tidbit, right? Yes. Uh, So David Arquette uh, ended up coming for the film. And we did not have an opportunity to talk to him at the uh, for the geek show just because of his schedule. He literally got here and he was only here for 24 hours, a hot minute and and during that time, he was the nicest person you could ever have a conversation with, period. And knowing that he's a big star, it just kind of brings you back to like, oh, these are people too. And one of the cool things that he brought up at the in, in just a literally just passing in the hallway <laughs> conversation was like how much he loved wrestling. Right. But I knew in the past that, you know, I, I used to watch WWF and WCWs and all that stuff. And I knew that he has been a WCW champion before. Right. But I didn't know, like, I thought it was just kind of a gimmicky thing for, like, a movie that he was releasing. But no, this gentleman, David Arquette, truly, truly, truly loves hearts wrestling. Which I think is so fascinating because I agree with you. I also thought that it was just a gimmick and that was what he had presented it as a million years ago when he did it before. And then he brought this out and I do have the uh, the announcement that he made earlier this year when he was on Wendy Williams when he talked about going back into wrestling. Okay. That's you look struggle. good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. you I, just, I just started working out. Really? Yes. I, I got I got pretty out of shape there for a second, <laughs> but uh, I just started working out because I have a really big announcement to make, and I'd like to make it here on the Wendy Williams show. Yes, right. All right, go ahead. I'd like to announce my return to professional wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you think, well, up there I am. This is a gimmick I'm trying out, David Magic Man Arquette. <laughs> Wait, David. Yes. Return to. Yes, what, I know. What you were you involved with wrestling? <laughs> yeah. Well, 18 years ago, I won the WCW Heavyweight Championship right. belt, and everyone freaked out. I was, uh, I was, I was promoting a, sh- a movie I did called Ready to Rumble, and it just happened that I won the championship but for 18 years i've been <laughs> trolled on the internet and people have attacked me and i just want to bring some what, respect wrest- back to my true, re- true wrestling fans who are like you yeah. know you're, you're an actor you're oh, not a wrestler worst. yeah they sort of help blame me on partially ruining wcw it's no longer around <laughs> and maybe i did have something to do with it but here's the thing 18 years ago you were younger now you're 46 you got gray hair you got kids <laughs> to take care of i know I know, but I've been working out. I've been training. I've got a. But you're still amazing... 46. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. There, that's my. That's Regan Machado, a, a jiu-jitsu champion that I'm training with. Okay. Amazing guy. Ricky Quills, another boxing coach, champion I'm training with. So I'm uh, I'm doing the. Oh, and, and Paul Avalon, 
a wrestling uh, just coach name dropping all of so these coaches that he's working. I'm doing with. the right work. I mean, I'm starting to get in shape. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but but it's fun. Now listen to him. Now, first of all, I presumed that when we were picking uh, the male leads from Saving Flora, that clearly we had the opportunity to speak with the most squirrely of the male leads when we spoke to Tom Arnold. I agree. And, yes, and, and, we, and, and until that moment, I think we did. Right. <laughs> and then, uh, and as you mentioned, when David Arquette was here, he was talking about the great work they did with Saving Flora, being all these things. And then this story comes out from last Friday. And I did share this with you. And so anybody this else is listening right now, it's crazy. So again, we were still thinking that David Arquette, actor as he put it, was just doing bits and pieces of this as a kind of a stunt. It yeah, I t- just honestly thought it was something for Saving Floor. Because right. the movie's coming out, it was a U.S. premiere that we had here, and it was a great, just, but okay. A good conversation started to say, hey, along with this, I have additional hobbies, and I go out and I do just wrestling. Not gardening. Well, it turned out that, no, when he decided to get back into wrestling, our friend David Arquette has now decided to go all in on it. Because the story that I wanted to bring up is the fact that last Friday, he ended up in a bloody mangle-inducing mess in this wrestling match that was actually not fake at all. So instead of going, okay, I'm going to get back into the acting side of wrestling, he decided he was going to be in a death match. Death match. What the heck is this dude doing? Uh, he's g- coming back in, roaring back in. <laughs> I have no idea. And this was done, it was in L.A. in right. front of a live audience. Mm-hmm. And people were, and there's obviously videos out there, but right. people were freaking out as in they the should. Audience, and they were like, "There were that is not fake blood, no, at all." This is him in this death match with this gentleman named Nick F and Cage, and Nick grabs like a fluorescent light tube, breaks it over his head. Not a fake fluorescent light no. tube, an actual fluorescent. Puts light him in a chokehold, ends up beating him to within a inch of his life, ends up like, and, like and the guy is again. If you see the video, you see David's face all bloodied up. Right. He's holding his neck because a shard of this yes. li- actually punctured his neck. And it, the story has it that David actually wanted to quit at that moment. But the other the other actor, the other the wrestler, other wrestler did not get this point across. Right. I kept going. So David then also kept going and hit him with a chair. Ah, this is afterwards. insane. I kind of feel like. Um, if we and David y- lost, sure. Uh, but well, like at that point, he was like, "Just <laughs> pin me down, one, two, three. I'm out of here." I need my stitches. I need to move I on. Think he did tweet afterwards something about like death match are not my thing. Right? Something. Yes, like, exactly. I don't yeah. think it should be anybody's thing. No, no. And he's out there doing all kinds of other press as well. I kind of feel like this is going to be the most distraction that can possibly happen to an actor anytime soon. And this is clearly the, not the direction again, he meant to just go. Just FYI. The, the reason he was only here for a hot minute was because he was shooting a film right outside of Cleveland and he could only get a day off. So I know he was in the middle of a production when he came out two weeks ago. <laughs> so either the production ended or they gave him time off to go do this death match. Or he was doing it like uh, in the evening. He was just supposed to go and have like one cocktail at a happy hour and he's like, I'm just going to run past the go, hi-hat. I'm going to go. I'm going to pop my head in the ring. And then come back bloodied. <laughs> Well, I mean, hopefully, best of luck to him. I hope everybody continues to see Saving Flora. Uh, that is a good, and, and, um, a uh, good and, film. You know, 
He is the nicest guy in the world. You can obviously heard him th- just just now on Wendy Williams. He's a quirky guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, I mean, yes, we wish him all the well, all the health and the well. Like, just don't do another death match. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> We're good. Just get wrestle. back in the bar. Great. Yeah. Like as a 40, 46 year old, he looked great. Mm-hmm. Like just just do that. Just yeah. work out. <laughs> work out to the death. Whatever that. <laughs> And I appreciate the chance that you, uh, the opportunity that you had to speak to him before he ended up in that death match. Because actually, actually, I think about it, I take that back. I wish you would talk to him afterwards because I have questions. I have so many questions. I might now. reach out to him and have him become an advisory board member, and then just to be like an advisory board member wasn't a death match. I like that idea. Do that. Sure. Work that out. We'll Tom have to Arnold, check back advisory in. Advisory board member? Yes. No. Maybe. Oh no, I would be fine with that. The Tom Arnold's my fine cr- kind of crazy. I'm the one person that. I wish I eventually had as part of my advisory board was uh, Mrs. Stan Lee. Ah, uh, yes. And of course, we do have to take a moment to uh, uh, talk about the, the passing of our good friend Stan Lee. Uh, he was so instrumental in so many of our fandoms and as we were growing up. And our um, life. I mean, fandom being one, but he was part of our lives. I mean, he was part of the entertainment. He was part of the construct. He was part of the conversation. And just a genuine human being. And I did bring one of my favorite Stanley quotes where he was talking about creating these characters. It is such fun creating characters, writing stories, even doing interviews, even though I can't hear most of what the guy says to me. And when you do something that you know the fans seem to enjoy, that gives you such satisfaction you don't want to stop it. And so he did finally have to stop as time finally caught up to him. Um, but it was a sad, it was a happy, sad week for me. It was like uh, fun to be able to see all of the tribute videos out there showing all of the cameos that he did and, and to really just be able to reread all of the ways that he was just just really changed the way that we looked at comics and what we did at the time. And something that he even admitted on numerous occasions that he kind of lucked into and didn't know was going to turn into uh, the, the, the monolithic, uh, prolific life's work that he ended up doing. No, and, and for me, I just wanted to kind of reiterate that how, how just like human he was right Right. and then even though we can put him on a pedestal like he was a truly a superhuman you know as he's building these superhuman characters he truly was just a genuine human being who really cared about like the community and what he was doing for the for the eventual fandoms like fans and stuff he was actually giving them a place to be equals and kind of share their voices and and fight for something that was outside of their norms or at least believe in something that was that they could uh, partake in with um, you know um, uh, with other fans across the world, not even just, you know, in their own little pockets. Um, that's why, I mean, I was asking, I was going to ask you, did you ever run into him at like a Comic-Con or cons or anything like that? You know, I did. I did. And it was always interesting the way, especially watching that he would still, because he, it was one of those things where he, there were a, a lot of that people were like, well, you've put yourself out there too much. You've become Stan the brand and those type of things. And I always was like, you know, I'm okay with it because I do understand, you know, from being a comic book writer who he himself had mentioned, he was like, he never knew that it was going to take off this way. Um, it was one of those things that I appreciated him going, you know, I am able to make this a brand and I couldn't really fault him for that because we've even talked about do the people behind the scenes get enough credit and enough limelight and how we're torn sometimes and well uh, you know as as people that work in the industry going well I want to 
give them all the props that they deserve and I want to make sure that they are um, receiving this the the type of compensation that they deserve and they do make this a great work but then we also go but then I really care about the stars and the other people that are, are more important so you do get torn so having the story of this guy who was able to be both I guess I'm really you know okay with that and in 2000, so here's my small little connection. Never saw him in person. Mm-hmm. Um, small little connection was we actually showcased a movie in 2011. It was a documentary about Stan Lee. Yes. And uh, the director, Will Hess, uh, came and said, hey, you know, he was such a nice guy. He was like, um, you know, we have this poster and we can, you guys can auction it off at the festival. You know, you're a nonprofit. Um, you know, I'm going into Stan's office to uh, just kind of wrap up the documentary and whatnot. Um would you do you have anything for him to sign? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Right. Do you want me to have, give you something for Stan Lee to sign? He's like, yeah. I mean, I'll see. There's no promises, no guarantees. I'll sure. So I created this. I uh, had one of the local artists here uh, create just a um, uh, just a, an art art piece. I think it was like a uh, Captain America shield or something. Um, but we had we sent that with an authentication letter that Stan would sign. Then we auctioned it off. Uh, or we would auction it off, but I'd misspelled the word signed <laughs> on that typed up piece of paper, <laughs> and I wrote singed. Okay. Yes, <laughs> and I didn't realize that, right, because I'm, like, excited that Stan Lee might sign this. This is right. 2011, right? Mm-hmm. So we started the organization in 2010. This is the second year of, we're year two. Right. And then, so Will Hess, uh, the, 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 the filmmaker, sends me a video. He was like, this is, I'm, I'm sending you a video so that you know that Stan Lee actually signed it. Right. So he's doing this selfie video in 2011, Will is, and behind him is Stan Lee on his desk. And Stan's like, so what am I signing, Will? And Will's like, this is something for the for Twin Cities Film Fest. Uh, just sign it. And I think this is the authentication letter. Like, Will's like, very nice. Like, could you read the letter for the camera? So he's reading it. <laughs> Stan Lee goes, Something, something, something. I hereby singe. Singe. <laughs> I think that's supposed to be signed. Whoever typed this, you wrote singed. And Will's like, I didn't type this. Uh, you typed it. I didn't type this, but you wrote singed. So, like, this whole, like, 30-second thing about, like, my typo, Stanley's like, it says singed. Again, not signed, but I'm going to sign it. I'm not going to singe it. And it's just the weirdest, but the most, like, Again, humanizing thing. Right. So then he did sign it. He did send it to us, and he does mention Twin Cities Film Fest on it. And like it's, and I put it on my on my Facebook as well, just kind of remember it's kind of a thing, just to kind of show people like he truly meant a lot to a lot of people. Right. And thank you for sharing that. And before we go to our break, and we bring in this week's guest geek, our good friend from T Rex Cookies, Tina Rexing, is going to be here to talk to us about all the amazing things she has going on in her life. But before we go to break, how about um, we close with what is my favorite Stanley cameo? It is the one from Spider Man Three. You know, I guess one person can make a difference. Enough said. And we will be right back with more Be Our Geek, where everyone is a geek about something.
Welcome back to Be Our Geek. Again, I'm Miss Shannon. Jayton is here. We're broadcasting from the Twin Cities Film Fest studio. And now it is time for this week's guest geek. And uh, Jayton, I uh, am very excited to introduce you to uh, my good friend from T-Rex Cookies and all things amazing in the bake world, Ms. Tina Rexing. Hi, Tina. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And so, uh, Tina, I did share some of the amazing cookies that you make over at T-Rex when I came by the Twin Cities Film Fest. So, Jayton, if you remember the gigantic, ginormous cookies that I brought back. I remember my staff remembers. It was amazing. (laughs) So she is in charge of all of those things. And, and Tina, i just like uh, you to give us a little background because it's not like when you were a tiny, like you used to do all things corporate America as well. So you were like doing all of the stuff that was legit. You were, as I like to say, you know, you were hiding your unicornness and pretending to be a horse for quite some time, right? I just did whatever my parents told me I was supposed to do. Uh-huh. You know, you go to school, you get your degree, you go get a job. You know, spent 20 years in corporate, started out at Northwest Airlines. Right. Doing... Um, we call it revenue forecasting, but it's Ooh. also called overbooking flights. Oh, that, that was my, my job. goodness. So mm-hmm. I did that, and then I did a lot of like number crunching type jobs. Which that part it sounds like, just from being your friend, that you liked some of the number crunching, like the spreadsheet stuff. I love spreadsheets. Yeah, see, that part you get you all <laughs> jazzed. So what part of it did you not like then? I, I think from a data analytics person, I just I always solve problems for people, and they would take credit for the solve. Got it. And so these are the people in marketing who are like, I have this problem. Can you show data to me and help me fix the problem? And you help them fix the problem, and they get the credit for it. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a thankless job in corporate doing number crunching. Right. So you're like, okay, I just need to turn it so that I do all my spreadsheet work as a hobby. And have something else be my career. Is that what your thought process was kind of like? Kind of. You know why I quit my job? Mm-hmm. Kind of. It was one of those days where just nothing was going right. And so it's like, you know what? I'm just going to quit. Right. And then went home and told my nerd husband, because he also <laughs> is a super nerd. He went to MIT. So okay. he and I argue in formulas. Um, <laughs> so I went home and told that him. That has to be adorable. Uh, sometimes, okay. but like, you know, he always plays the, I went to MIT card, you didn't. Oh. And so I always lose the arguments, but I went home and said, I, oh, I quit my job. I have no plans. Um, but he also knew that, you know, I always had passions for so many things. I, you know, I went to a liberal arts college and then you're always like accused of when you go to liberal arts school, you can't figure your path out. Cause you're right. always, you're so good at so many things. Exactly. Um, what do we call that? A mile wide and an inch deep? Is that what it is? Yep, yeah, pretty okay. much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I spent a couple couple months just kind of soul searching after I quit my last corporate gig and decided I was going to take the baking hobby to the next and level. And when was that? Approximately when did you quit? Uh, it was actually on my birthday, November of 2014. Got it. Uh-huh. So happy birthday to you. Oh, a thank good you. present to yourself. It was. <laughs> It totally was. Mm-hmm. Like, it's my birthday, and I'm being treated like this. I'm quitting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and happy belated birthday to you. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we are glad that you are here. So what do uh, – so now you have T-Rex cookies. I do. So how – when you were first going to go, all right, here's a thing that I can do. I like baking. How do you forge that new path? Well, you know, I used to cor- um, compete. In baking. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things I did when corporate was, oh, you know what? I'm going to, like, bake cookies to as a hobby and bring it into work sure. and try it out on people and so they can give me feedback on right. baking. So I did that for so many years. All my friends are like, 
you know, we hate to having Tina on our team because we're always gaining weight, but she's always bringing <laughs> stuff in. Um, but People I taught. complain about everything. I know. I know. <laughs> but, you know, I actually trained my colleagues to, like, give me some con- constructive criticism on on eating. Okay. Because before you'd like eat the chocolate chip cookie and everyone's like, oh, it's great. I'm yes. like, now you need to talk to me about texture. You need to talk to me about, you know, flavors. Um, so they, they became a lot more uh, professional judgy type people. Ah, when it came so. To- became your focus group? Yeah, basically. Ah, so. Great. Basically, if we want to uh, uh, start watching along like Great British Baking Show or something, your former coworkers can then like translate when they're talking about form and texture and structure and all those things. Yeah, it's you had to teach them how to do that. Mm -hmm. And now it's like you know when I ask people for feedback, uh, my friends that I used to work with know exactly what I'm looking for. Okay. Yeah. So how do you go? All right, I'm good at baking. How does that evolve into T Rex cookies? Into a business. Mm you know, I wrote a business plan, so yeah. here's here's my inner nerd coming out. And so my husband's like, "All right, I'll let you go off and do this." Yes, I need to see a business plan. <laughs> MIT, right? I know. So the first thing I went and did was I got an LLC mm-hmm. to like be officially T Rex Cookie Company. Okay. And so once I got the certificate from the Secretary of State saying, "Look, you're an actual company." Like, oh, crap. Now I actually have to write a business plan. Right. And I found this really good website, actually, for those budding entrepreneurs out there. It's called LivePlan.com. Okay. And so it's basically, it, it's a wizard that kind of walks you through how to write your business plan. Um, and he has, like, little videos of, like, okay, what is your company all about? So I actually filled it out. And at the very end of, like, filling this out, you say publish, and it turned out to be like a 75-page wow. business plan. Mm-hmm. And I took that plan to the bank to get and? my first. You know, the first reaction from the banker was, oh, my gosh, you have a business plan? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, I do. And then, you know, just because I had it in writing and it kind of like laid out all my thoughts, they're like, oh, you must be pretty legit. Here's 50 grand, line of wow. credit. <laughs> so I started out that way. Okay. Um, with the 50,000 and I actually did a Kickstarter. Okay. So, yeah. So I raised $9,000 on top of that, um, to wrap my vehicle. Cause I drove a red mini Cooper Yes. and I wrapped it with my logo on it when there's bunches of cookies all around my car. Yes. Um, and then I kind of just used that money to launch the company. Right. So primarily when you first started, was this, okay, I bake out like, what was your first commercial kitchen like? It was on 38th in Chicago. It was called uh, City Food Studio. It was actually started by an ex-Target colleague who loved cooking. And so he opened up this commercial kitchen for small businesses. They would rent by the hour. Right. And I had 20 hours a week in there. But the thing is, you're sharing the space with, like, 40 other small businesses. Mm, okay. um, and I realized very quickly I don't like to share. <laughs> I didn't know that it's they were a like good stepping stone. I suppose if you haven't oh, yeah. ever been to a commercial kitchen before, like just to, it's not you know obviously you only have, you have fifty thousand dollars, but that only goes so far. Right. Yeah. And I didn't know there were co-working spaces for That's kitchens cool, type things. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's a really hot thing right now because okay. as a small business person in food, you can't really go off and build out a kitchen on your own, right? Because just like the hoods alone are like seventy five thousand dollars. Okay, so you have this kitchen that everyone kind of shares. But at the same time, you know, I'm making cookies alongside someone who's making salsa. Ah, you know, okay. So sometimes it's not compatible. Um, yeah. Uh, make a cookie with salsa in it. 
inspiration. I'm sure she's done something like I'm that because sure. I mean, you are pretty. I mean, you there are no yeah there are no. <laughs> You know, those boundaries, those rules where you're like, you can't do that with a cookie. You don't believe in any of those. No, like, like mm-hmm. this whole thing that people are afraid of baking because it's supposedly some sort of like exact science. It's, it's a myth. It's right. It's a myth. Um, I think that's something that bakers tell other people so right. they don't get their jobs stolen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So they, they mystify the process. Totally. Okay. I think it's it's the fear of failing of baking. Because, yes, you, you – you invest time in making a cake, and it would totally suck yeah. if it fails. Um, but you have to be okay with failing. Right. Not only in small business, but in baking. You have to be okay with failing. Just just do it quickly. <laughs> now, you kind of focus on, like, cookies, I'll say, the size of your head, you know, kind of things, which is, a, I think, a, that's a very worthy goal, you know, kind of thing. But how did you go, how am I going to make, was that in your business plan, that all of my cookies are going to start with this poundage you no, kind of thing. Okay. not at all. It was like I was making normal size cookies. When I say normal, it's like what you see at the grocery store. Like, right. I think the average size of a cookie is between two and four ounces. Okay. And um, somewhere in my career, crazy career path, I was a tennis instructor. Yes. For about five years where I was basically a human ball machine. <laughs> and so what I ended up doing is feeding tennis balls to people, developing a really bad case of tennis elbow. Oh, goodness. Okay. And so when I started the company and I was scooping out this the cookie dough balls in like small, cute adorable size cookies, I started aggravating my tennis elbow again. Okay. And so what I ended up doing was, hey, what if I make them bigger? And they eventually became a pound. My first T-Rex cookie was one pound. Okay. Um, which is about, it was almost 10 inches across. But okay. But I couldn't find a bag big enough <laughs> to sell it in. So I went, like, oh, maybe we do half a pound. Mm-hmm. And so I would bring the cute, adorable, normal cookies to the market, and I'd bring, like, the big guys to the market, and I would never sell in the small ones. People just bought the big ones. Right. Like, well, they're easier, A, they're easier to make, and B, I can charge more. Yes. So that's very cost how, effective. That's kind of how it evolved. Mm-hmm. See, that's the spreadsheet maker in you. Where you're yeah. like, this is like work smarter, not harder. Yeah, and then the margin was a lot better for the big guys because the labor was less. So that's so the nerd, Does it help on the business side? Because you talked about margin, right? As, mm-hmm. a, as a small business owner, I think that's where. When companies, small companies, fail, is because they don't have that business acumen and/or they don't have the, the the passion, of course, to start the business, but they don't have either the right support structure with personnel yep. or even behind them education behind it to actually run a business. So talk a little bit about how your business actually helps you grow your small business. Well, passion. having like uh, the n- numbers background completely helped, but I think in the small business world, especially the food business, people walk in saying, I make this awesome product. Right. And it's kind of like that field of dreams mentality. If I make it, people will buy it. <laughs> yeah. um, and you just... The thing is, a lot of people don't have, A, the, the number savvy to understand that why would you use that type of butter when it's 10 times the price um, than a butter that no one else can tell the difference. Right. Right? Um, or, you know, those folks that just want to um, sell something and they feel – there's a lot of people in the small business world that are like this – that they feel bad that they're charging what they charge for something. Okay. Or they don't include their own labor okay in making something that's mm-hmm. where the passion comes into play right like people say oh this is a product but you took you never account for the 10 hours of work that actually went into this one little thing and you're only charging for this one tiny thing yeah. right yeah i mean i have a ton of respect for these folks who decorate uh 
cookies with frosting and they're just beautiful cookies. Right. But oh my God, do they spend so much time doing it. Mm-hmm. So you just feel like it's not necessarily cost effective sometimes when people are starting it out as an actual replicable business. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, it, it, it takes some time and I actually mentor a lot of small business owners in terms of like, hey, not only do you have to know your margins, but you also have to have a story. Right. Um, and I find that when I started the company just telling the story of, you know what, I was sitting behind a desk, I was doing X, Y, and Z, and I had a boss actually tell me, there's a couple backstories of what kind of lit the fire of me just actually quitting, is that I had a boss come up to me and say, you know what, I know that you're making a lot of cookies for people as your hobby, bring them into work, whatever, but do you really want to be known to bake baking cookies, or do you want to be known for the work you do here? I was at Target. I won't name names um, <laughs> of who that was. But um, that was that was like one of the pieces of feedback. I'm like, well, at the time, I'm like, yeah, I want to be known for the crazy spreadsheets that I do. Right, thanks. Not for the cookies, but, mm-hmm. you know, tables are turned a little bit now. Yeah, especially when you're going, okay, well, now that you put it that way, maybe I don't want to be known for what I'm doing right now. And yeah. so it's always interesting the way that the universe articulates you know, things to you yeah. where you're like, they didn't say, you know, somebody said it just right. And you're like, ding, no, I do want to go do this instead. Yeah. And you know, no, another piece and from a f- entrepreneur's standpoint, I got a piece of feedback at target again at target. Mm-hmm. They're so good at feedback at target. <laughs> feedback is a gift. Um, I was told Tina, your ability to get it done is a problem. Really? Yeah. Now what do they mean by that? Meaning I was supposed to collaborate more and in order, you know, I was kind of a, a bull in a china shop where I'm like, I see the goal. I'm going to get there. Right. Whereas in these corporate environments, they're like, oh, you need to bring everybody on board and make sure everyone loves what you're doing. And then you move along as a, as a nice, happy team. But I wasn't like that. Right. And so I kind of realized that my personality was more around, oh, let's just go start my own business so I can, like, run over <laughs> all these people to get right. my, my stuff done. <laughs> Well, then, as you know, from learning all of those different things and really it sounds like learning about yourself, how did you tie that back into your business plan and make sure that it was sustainable then and not work yourself to death? I'm still working on ah, it. Okay. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, the whole working 24-7, when you own this company, it's a, it's your baby, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to take a couple, to, couple days off, but it's not really working that well. No, people say it's happened to me about the festival. They're like, so you get the days off after the festival. I'm like, no, I got a plan next year. It never, right. it never yeah. really stops. And it's truly based on the, the passion that you have and the fact that you want to improve on anything and everything that you can improve upon because you want to have it be sustainable beyond you. Yeah, and you get to a point, too, and basically because so many people have followed my story on social media, and I think that's a big difference. Had I started this company before Facebook, before Instagram, right? I don't think I'd be where I am, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, because thanks to social media, you know, everyone's kind of come along on this journey. So having that kind of, like, spotlight on the business is kind of scary because the day I say, oh, you know, maybe I'm just going to take a couple weeks off, people were like, wait. Where did she What's go? Right. Where did she go? Mm-hmm. You know, so you kind of have to keep it going. And you have done a really good job with your social media of just showing kind of your process and how, you know, like I know that there's a, a, a series of videos that you did basically just dumping things into your cookies. Yeah. And so tell everybody about that because I thought that was fun. Well, you know, I was going to make an apple pie cookie one day and I was like laying in bed going, you know what? What goes into an apple pie cookie? 
apples, whatever. I'm like, why don't I just throw the freaking pie into the cookie? (laughs) So it worked. And it was like, oh, hey, I'm going to do a video and show like these apple pies being dumped into the cookie. Right. And it eventually morphed into pumpkin pies, a carrot cake, a birthday cake, (laughs) even dill pickles. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it's like people like watching that, you know. Those like it's those very, fun tasty videos where you just got mesmerized of like how people make stuff. It's right. great. My son and I watch. My son is four. My son and I watch those tasty videos oh, all great? the time. Mm-hmm. And he'll just go to like the next one. He's like, "Can you make that one?" I'm like, "Nope." Try. <laughs> I will absolutely try it, my son. <laughs> but that, I mean, that's also the same thing of watching those videos where people are making slime, or you're just touching and yes. popping bubbles. You're doing all these things because watching that is very visually stimulating and also kind of soothing at the same time of watching things just get. Get smushed over and over and over again. If I don't have to dirty my hands and somebody else is doing it, and I'm getting the end product, they're like, "Cool, I can I, now I can go over there and get a birthday cake cookie." Well, I don't like being mysterious about my product, right. right? And one of the things I pride myself about in my kitchen right now, it's an open kitchen, meaning you can like peek inside and see what's happening. There's no like weird door that the magic. It's like the Wizard of Oz, right? You, right. You know, um, it's not. It's not magical necessarily, and I think most people can make cookies. It's just people just choose not to. <laughs> What's the uh, if there is a um, uh, not necessarily even a, 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 a individual who's looking to start a business by any means, but if there is a uh, passionate baker out there who just wants to do it for for themselves and their family, mm-hmm. if you could give them a professional tip when it comes to baking, whether uh, whether it be to, to you know. Finesse prior to in the pre-cooking and the post-cooking and the oven. Like, t- if you can give a tip, what would that be? Just because the holidays are coming up. Oh yeah. Um, so a baking tip for the. For passion. me, it's a um, couple tips. Know your oven. Um, if you have an oven that runs hot or runs cold, and this is a tip we talked about earlier, is like, okay, this is how you can find out where the hot spots are in your oven. You get a cookie sheet and you lay out white bread across the cookie sheet. You set your oven to 350 degrees, and you put the, the cookie sheet with your white bread in it. Give it 10 minutes, and some of the bread's going to be darker in some spots than others, and it tells you, oh, hey, the upper right-hand side of the oven is blazing hot because ah. the cookies are going to burn over there. Okay. So it gives you a better idea of, like, get to know your equipment, really get to know your ingredients, too. Sure. But um, just to answer that first one, go ahead and buy yourself an oven thermometer. Okay. And make sure it's set up. Like Target or something? Or? Yeah. And, you know, so many people from, like, okay, all the big people who don't like baking <laughs> freak out about this is the timer. It right. Is everyone's all about setting the timer, and then when the timer goes off. Take it out. It's done, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I like to babysit. I like the oven light. <laughs> Yes. Turn that thing on and just kind of like look at it. I actually can bake without timers because I can just look at the product to make sure. The only reason I can't bake without timers is I am one of those people that gets distracted and will burn everything. Like I always think I can do other stuff and I forget so how long know, it's been so in if there. You, if you take her tip, if you know your oven and you place the things where they're supposed to be. I'll still burn it. It's that, I've, <laughs> it, that a half an hour has passed, and it was supposed to be 20 minutes. It's like well, I have no concept Well, when you no can smell it, that means it's burnt. Right. And right? That's, you know, that is not the way to learn that it's burnt. It's like you, then it's too late. So kind of thing. That's well, a great tip, by the way. Another mm-hmm. tip is if it looks done, it's overdone. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So we tend to take our cookies in the shop out maybe about 
10 minutes really before it's supposed to be done because you leave it on the cookie sheet there's residual heat on the cookie sheet and it's still baking when you take it out one of the things that i think is interesting is like how do you know if you're going by sight because i do watch a lot of these baking shows you do do some interesting um uh ingredients sometimes so how can you go well that ingredient is done because it look it does look like from the shows i watch that some ingredients real mask whether they're done or not because of the color or they already they change the texture so how do you i know that there's some trial and error but how do you guesstimate at the beginning well anything that has a lot more um liquid in it so if you're using fruit in any of your baking it'll take a little bit longer okay um and if you use a lot of dark dark brown sugar just kind of be aware it's going to look darker than normal okay it's harder to make a chocolate cookie really because you're like oh is it done but it comes down to little i call it the little poke test yes right so if it's like you poke at it and it's kind of jiggly (laughs) (laughs) it's still not done okay All but right. unless you like your cookie that way, like doughy. 80% oh, of my customers like underdone product. Ah. Interesting. Yeah. And then so it then if you go by the other 20%, is it people want it extra crispy? Right. You know, which way does it go? The They want them well. I sometimes sell the cookies. You like them rare or medium rare. Gotcha. You know? And then mm-hmm. some people like them well done. Yes. Um, the people who like their cookies well done is because their mom or grandma <laughs> – has always baked Made cookies that, that way. way. See, and I'm that person. I like crunchy cookies. And so I'm like, when it's too soft, I'm like, yeah. Mm. So I probably like, I'm okay with day old. So I'm like, can you can you stale this up a little bit for me? Maybe maybe right. that's what it is. Well, Let's... you know what? We sell the day olds in my uh-huh. shop. So yes. you can, and they're like half price. So you yes. can always come by and call. We call what's them the dino bones. To make? Nice. And then what's your favorite cookie to eat? My favorite cookie to eat is the snickerdoodle because I don't like chocolate. Okay. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. Yeah, and to make as far as what's the popular one at your location? sea salt caramel chocolate chip is our most popular. That oh. was the one that was featured on the Today Show. Yes. Yeah, eight months after I started the company. That's crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, sea salt caramel chocolate chip. Wow. I yeah. um I know that you have done some interesting cookies. I have my vote for the most uh, my favorite interesting cookie you've made. What what's your vote, Tina? The most interesting mm-hmm. and the the most interesting the most popular because it's so strange and people actually like it, is my dill pickle cookie. Okay. So mm-hmm. I made that to pair with um, Bloody Mary's. Sure. Okay. Um, and we made it as like on a whim. And then after the Bloody Mary festival, people just kept on calling asking to bring it back. I'm like, oh, people actually like it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it yeah. is. I've had that one, and I do enjoy that one. I thought it was good because it is that good blend of the, the salty tang and then you also, you know, the, 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 the dill pickle type of sour, it's very appropriate. So yeah. was that one where you just kept pouring enough of the pickle dill pickle juice? juice? Mm-hmm. Pickle juice and then actual putting pickles in it. Mm-hmm. But I think I know which one you're thinking about. Yeah, my favorite <laughs> is that she made another cookie. And my vote for the most interesting cookie is you made one called Chocolate Chirp. And so I'll let you tell everybody about it, Tina. Well, I have a friend who started a company raising crickets um, okay. <laughs> as protein. Yes. And okay. so I was helping him out. I'm like, hey, um, I can use your product in my cookies. And so he sent me the cricket powder yes. and then full-on big crickets, yes. like dried cricket faces bodies. and all. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I couldn't tell people that there was, like, cricket powder. It just wasn't, like. It wasn't Facebook worthy, you know. You put the cricket powder in, so we started so you topping. Put the crickets in. We put the cr- whole crickets in, and then we topped them with a couple cr- crickets, and you could see the legs coming out of the cookies. Um, it's actually got a nutty flavor. Sure. I could, um, yeah, okay. But it's they're very high in protein. Yeah. I think United. They States taste is, like you put sunflower seeds on them. 
Yeah. Okay. Just that don't look at their helps faces. With the texture and the contextualizing what the cricket. I've never had a cricket. I it really reminded me cricket, of like when you just eat like just the cricket itself. It, that's why I said the sunflower seeds. Because like, have you ever had a sunflower seed where it still had a little bit of just the husk, a yes. little bit yep. of it? That's what it was. It. It's a very thin husk, and mm-hmm. the and, and the thing that I thought was so cool about it is that. You were saying like these, you know, again, they're very high in protein. But I was, as I was giving them to people going, by the way, these are chocolate chirp. There are supposed to be crickets in them because you do occasionally come across a little body or a little cricket face. And I don't want to people think that I just didn't know that. Well, there was yeah. a foreign object right. in their cookie. And I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. It's supposed to have a cricket in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have something like a, obviously everything around the holidays turns into like pumpkin. So pumpkin spice, something, something. We do have a pumpkin pumpkin pie cookie. We have eggnog cookies coming up. Oh. Those are going to be a fun one. But I've partnered with William Sonoma. Okay. And every year they give me like 20 pounds of their peppermint bark. Oh. So I make a cookie just for them. And I'll be hanging out over in Edina at the Williams Sonoma in Edina, mm-hmm. um, and I'll bake them in oh. the shop or in the store because they like to have the their store smell like cookies. Oh, I'm sure that's delicious. Mm, so. Can you come over here and bake me like a bourbon cookie? <laughs> We actually do have an old-fashioned cookie. Yes. Yeah. And then we also yes. had a gin tonic cookie this summer. Oh, how, how did many, that go? How many varieties of cookies? You just mentioned like 15 just sitting here in the last 10 minutes. Right? Um, according to my giant spreadsheet, yes. we actually have a, over 60 cookies wow. that we make. In the shop, we probably um, sell about 20 different kinds on a, on a daily basis. And I know you also do like uh, like the catering side of things. So when people are planning that, like let's say it's Jayton's anniversary and sure. we're trying to plan all of these cookies, like how do you help me? Like do they usually go, we already enjoyed this or do you have to consult with them on what the theme of the party is? What do you normally do? We do Tina? like for weddings. We do a lot of weddings and these are the folks that kind of choose um, not to do cake. Yep. Um, they come in and they do a cookie tasting. We let them choose twelve up to 12 cookies. You don't want to overwhelm them. No. And then we can make them anywhere between, you know, the half pound to we make the five pound variety. Wow. Um, those are really popular at weddings these days. Mm. So you put like a cookie and like a, a, a filling and another cookie on top and a filling and another cookie We've on top. We've done 15 pound ice cream sandwiches. Wow. Yes. And weren't you still, you were partnered with a, like the new Bohemias in town for a while, uh, weren't the you? Truck the truck park. The truck park. The mm-hmm. truck park in St. Paul, they actually have an eating contest where if you can eat the 15 pound ice cream sandwiches with you and three friends, you get it for free. Um, I've kind of sta- stayed away from like the whole eating thing, eating contest thing myself, just because Oh, it's so sad to see my product be consumed that way. Yeah, it kind of <laughs> takes the joy out of it. I've done a number of those eating contests, like things, this oh, person, and I'm news. never good at them. Oh, you didn't know that? Oh, no, yeah. I did not know oh, that. Yeah, I've done a number of those. Like, I'm the one that they send to go eat the giant banh mi or this, fi- this <laughs> you know, 5,000-calorie sandwich and all that stuff. And it is always... You get it for free, but then you pay for it after. Oh, my God. It's like, and I never finish them. Um, but it is kind of fun in certain like I can see how you would find that your your cookies are being disrespected. I know <laughs> to try and do that because well, it really I, is just. Like, I took a five pound cookie to a brewery and they were like, "Oh, we're going to do an eating contest." And these people were dunking the cookie and the beer right. just so that it softens it up <laughs> and they can get it down. I'm like, "Oh, my sad cookie." <laughs> Did you get paid first? Paid for the cookie first. I donated it. That's another oh, that's thing. Nice as a, as a small business, you have to like be able to say no to things. Sure. <laughs> it's like you know, we're not going to participate yeah, in that not, one. Not, <laughs> not yet. 
And yeah. so you are getting ready. Uh, T-Rex Cookies is doing um, a little transitioning right now. Yeah, I guess you can call it that. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I was trying to figure out the best word that I could think of. You kind of think. So you're going off it's on a, you know, a grand adventure. I, I have some adventure music for you. Um, so kind of thing. <laughs> That's all like, like ominous music right there. Yeah. So, because you are, I mean, you've been in your current location, your brick and mortar for how long? Two years, just a little over two years. And then um, at the end of the year, we're closing Aww. the brick and mortar mm-hmm. because... The business is not going away, though. The business is not going away, um, but the, sh- the space is going away. It makes me super sad. I'll try not to get weepy. Mm-hmm. Um, because the building is getting torn down Aww. to be built into condos. Like so, so many things that are happening around here. Yeah, I mean, it's right on along the green line. You know, it's supposed to be, like, more housing along the green line, which is great. Right. But the good news is that I did find a space to move into. It's in Egan. I know when I say Egan, people are like, oh, the burbs. Um, but the truth is I actually live two miles from there, so I could probably ride my bike there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a small commercial kitchen in a strip mall. Okay. Which I probably won't be open like I am now, like a cafe. I'll be using it as an, almost like a my own little commissary. All right. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I'll be buying a food truck. Oh, oh yay. So See when that? an opportunity presents itself, you take advantage of it. Well, that. you know, what's funny is that if you go back to my very, very first business plan that I wrote way back when. The 75-page one? The 75-page one. Actually, the whole plan said, I'm going to sell cookies at a farmer's market and I'm going to buy a food truck. Nice. Right. Nowhere in that initial business plan did it say I'm going to open a store. So the whole store situation just kind of came about by chance and sure. I just took the opportunity. But now I'm kind of back to my roots of Buying the food truck. Well, congratulations. So you're now wrap a truck instead of your car. I'll have both now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I found a cute little food truck. It's about 11 feet tall. The only problem is I can only hire people that are under the height of 5'8". <laughs> we know some of those people. Don't worry. Yeah, I we need, know I need small those. people that can work for me. <laughs> I can apply? Yeah. You mini bakers. Mini bakers like all of us. Yeah. So that's all fun. <laughs> so I'm hoping to get that launched sometime in the next couple months just a lot of transition it's the saddest part for me is i have a staff of 12 oh um mm-hmm. and i pretty much had to break the news to them that all oh, you guys have to find new jobs but let me help you if, I, if you need help right um this industry is pretty pretty resilient in terms of moving around so i'm gonna but i'm gonna do the best i can into re- help them out find jobs right and some of those people could come back and work for you for the food truck too yeah they can, but, you know, a lot of them work for me because the location is just so perfect. It's off sure. the green line. None of them want to go to Egan. Right. right. <laughs> well, maybe you can get the Vikings to, because uh, of the new uh, stadium over there. or the new Oh, practice the practice facility, facility mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, do more protein cookies. I could try. <laughs> yeah, a thing. It. Like, we got to add more protein cookies in there. That's great. Yeah. So you're getting ready to go off on that adventure, and we're going to be able to follow you on your food truck. So what are you going to do in the meantime while you're relocating and doing everything? Because you already do the social media stuff. So what else do you need? How can we help? Well, I'd like to celebrate the space. Okay. It's such a beautiful space. The building's about 100 years old. So I'm going to be spending the next few, I think I have like six weeks left in the space, kind of having like different little, little parties and nice. Shannon you could talk about what Thank you're you. going to be doing in my shop. Uh, she was kind enough to invite me to come and do one of the things because she does have like some artists that are going to be doing things there some singer songwriters are going to be there and so as her friend and as a comedian because that is what I do is I'm going to be doing a comedy show nice. in the current T-Rex location on December Six. 6th Thursday December 6th uh, we're going to be there and the other cool thing I know that you know she's being very modest but what she is uh, and humble but the other thing that she's doing is like not only is tina 
celebrating the T-Rex space, but she's helping a lot of us who do have, you know, some charitable tie-ins or things that are important to us. She's helping us out with that. So, yes, there is a ticket price to it, but the proceeds are going to benefit different charities. So this comedy show specifically is going to, because she let me pick, is going to uh, support the Autism Society of Minnesota, which you know is near and dear to my heart. So not only can you come down and see cook, uh, get some cookies, uh, we are going to have some of our friends donate some uh, some beer and wine for nice. it, and we're going to do some comedy there and just showcase the space. So That's we're doing December six in the evening sometime. Yes. Yep. So we're going to start at seven thirty, I believe we said. I think it was seven. Seven o'clock. Seven. There we go. Because you're going to close down the cookie part of it, and then we are going to reopen as a uh, you know the cookies and comedy will be that evening. That's yep. great. Cookies we're doing cookies and comedy, and then we'll also do uh, cookies and canvas. So I have an artist coming in to help us do um, a guided painting of the Witch's Tower, which is in Prospect nice. Park, right yes. by my shop. Mm-hmm. Um, cookies and caroling. I'm looking for a choir that wants to come out and oh, do that. We can help you find a caroling yeah. choir group. That I think we great. know some people, so we yeah. can work on that, too. Yeah, so we That's are excited, great. and so we always encourage people that they uh, will follow all of our friends on social media. And a good place you're going to continue to be at uh, trexcookies.com, right? Trexcookie. Trexcookie.com. Yep. So make sure you do that. We'll tag that. And then, uh, as far as Instagram, Twitter, and all that, how do they find you, Tina? At trexcookie. That's my handle. That is perfect. That is perfect. And I know that, back to what we do with the Twin Cities Film Fest, Jayton, you have a a series that's coming up soon, right? I think I saw that. We have an insider series, a film called Master Jam. It's on November 28th, and it's about um, mental illness and suicide prevention. Um, So that will be at the Imagine Theater. It's a very intimate setting with a um, a 56-seat theater house, and uh, we'll have a panel discussion afterwards as well. So that's on TwinCitiesFilmFest.org. And actually, on December 6th, we're actually holding a uh, holiday market as well at the AC Marriott, basically right before Yay. your event. Right. So uh, come to come to that and then hop over to the, uh, the T-Dex Cookie um, comedy show. I yes. Suppose. And we do encourage people, if you have suggestions on what you would like to have us talk about here on BR Geek, people have already been doing a great job of finding us on Twitter with some great opportunities that we do hope to have down the road. So you can find us. We're at BR Geek. We're also on Instagram and Facebook and you can always email us on all of those things as well at BRGeekMN uh, at gmail.com. So in the future, we will be following Tina at T-Rex Cookies and um, we uh, appreciate uh, all the work that you do and we uh, will be following you in your next adventure. Thanks for I'm having me. D- I'm definitely taking your tips about the, the bread and the oven. I want to know what my oven is all about. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you to everybody for joining us for Be Our Geek, where everyone is a geek about something, and we'll see you next time. To be your best every day, You need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples... Temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. 
plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.